Over the Wall podcast coming at you. Big show today. We got a lot of topics to hit on because we have a lot of sports going on for the past couple months. I've always said well, there's nothing going on. It's a wasteland out there. And it was hard to find topics. But now we have actual games going on. We have more talk about you know the college football plans in the fall. Like I said, baseball, basketball, just a lot of things hitting right now. We're going to go over some of the things going on in baseball um, with the Marlins situation, Joe Kelly, Houston Astros, that feud. Also, what's it going to look like in the fall with college football? We're starting to see some things come out, SEC, conference only. I'll give you my thoughts. Another, another interesting topic we're going to hit on is no fans in the stands, obviously. How does it affect football, the sport most people love the most? I'm going to dive into that. It'll be a very interesting topic. Then finally, we'll hit on a, a big NBA topic because obviously they're starting up. Um, a lot of excitement, a lot of politics involved, and a lot of minutia. So we'll dive deep into that. So let's get it. College football, we're getting more information as the days go by. And we're approaching August 1st. SEC came out today and said... 10-game conference-only schedule starting September 19th. SEC championship pushed back two weeks, so you're looking at um, December 19th, December 20th for an SEC championship game. Pac-12 followed suit a couple weeks before that and said they're doing a Pac-12-only schedule. Um, September 12th, 19th, kind of tentatively speaking, with some bye weeks mixed in there. The Big Ten, obviously, was the first domino to fall that said they're just going to do conference-only the ACC announced it yesterday. They're going to do a 10-game conference-only schedule with allowing a, a little window um, for one non-conference game. I think they were, the hopes were that they could still keep alive those in-state rivalries like a Florida-Florida State, Georgia-Georgia Tech, South Carolina, um, Clemson, Kentucky-Louisville, to kind of throw them a bone there. So I don't know what's going to happen as far as those games are concerned. Because the SEC has already come out and said 10-game conference-only schedule. But things are very fluid. You just never know what can happen. So this is a great sign for things to come in the fall. Because all along, you knew they probably were going to have to play this because the financial ramifications were just too big. And then when you look at an article that ESPN had, I think it's around $700 million that ESPN and their networks are tied to college football. I mean, you're looking at ESPN, ABC, ESPN2, ESPNU, SEC Network, ACC Network. I mean, all of these games have, you know, their broadcasting college football games. And if they don't have them in the fall, they could lose that revenue. Then you also look at these big Power Five conferences. If they don't play, that's revenue that they're going to lose as well because all some of that money gets funneled into those conferences. Therefore, it gets funneled into those schools. That money wouldn't happen. Okay. College football, the financial ramifications are too big. You're already seeing it at the lower level. At a very low level, the SWAC, for instance. Southern's athletic director came out and said the reason they're not playing is because the testing protocol. You're supposed to test these kids, you know, uh, X amount weekly, hell, some even daily. And they don't have the money for that. Those things aren't free. When we talk about testing, the, the testing just isn't free. You can't just go test kids every day if you don't have, you know, the finances for that. So that's why you, you see, you know, institutions like those and like other conferences as well, they're probably not going to play because they can't afford it. 
Okay, then you're going to have the financial ramifications for a school like ULM, for instance. ULM had Georgia and Arkansas on their schedule. They are obviously not going to play those schools. They are on the hook to lose $3.2 million for not playing those games. I think their budget is $15 million on an annual basis. Think about that. That's $3.2 million. That, that's a good chunk for a school of that nature. And then that's not the only school that plays a lot of these, these teams. So, man, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to these schools because of these you know, financial losses. So when we talk about the bigger conferences, I knew that's why they were going to play. The money and the loss of money and the loss of revenue was too big. All these athletic programs in these schools, you have to understand, they're not making money. Besides, like, we are very spoiled in this state with LSU baseball. LSU baseball and maybe a handful, maybe a handful other schools are actually making money and not even like that much money. We're talking at the end of the year, you're maybe grossing 500,000 to a million dollars. I mean, compared to football where they're just, I mean, it's, it's cash cow, but most, you know, athletic programs are losing money. How are they financed? Football, football season, television dollars, you know, fans in the stands, which is just not going to happen this year. So, that's another reason. Football had to be played. What's interesting going forward is what's the ramifications going to be from all these other sports? You've seen schools like Stanford already cancel other programs, you know, athletic programs in their department, right? I mean, it could be a good thing, you know, get rid of programs that are kind of like, you know, weighing you down. And like I said in podcasts before, maybe you, you get together and you break away from the NCAA and you have like a big power five, you know, one umbrella um, conference, right? And I think that would be very interesting. It would be better for the sport. But like I said, these are such interesting times right now, um, college football, obviously, but college athletics and what's going to happen. You know, another tidbit that I kind of forgot at the beginning with the ACC is Notre Dame. Notre Dame basically joined the ACC. They had been playing a conference schedule with the ACC. I think they were just allotted six games a year from ACC teams. But now they jumped in. They're part of the ACC, at least for this year going forward, and they can compete for an ACC championship. Always thought it was a kind of an odd fit. They're more of a Big Ten team, so that was just kind of odd, the whole ACC thing fixed in. But like I said, I think it's really good for the ACC to get Notre Dame in there because besides Clemson, what other teams are any good in the ACC? It's a garbage conference. So Notre Dame definitely elevates them um, moving forward. So that's another interesting tidbit that I forgot to mention. But once again... College athletics in general is really hanging in the balance if they don't play. But all signs point to them playing. My final statement on the whole college football in the fall thing is this. And it's, it might be a little weird. It might be a little different. But I have a take on it. Obviously, I'm going to watch. I love college football. I love sports. I love football in the fall. It's it just it's it's a nostalgic thing for me, and it's, it's for a lot of people in general, especially college football. Those Saturday mornings, college game day, you know, you wake up, you watch college football the whole day. It, it's something special about it. But let me ask you this: Will it be the same this fall? You're gonna have no fans in the stands. People love to go tailgate, right? Go catch a, a LSU game, go tailgate. The sights, the scenes, the smells. Will you be able to do that this fall? No. All you're going to hear about is the coronavirus. That's all you're going to hear about. You're going to hear about the test, the positives, the negatives. Can they play? Can they not play? Will they play this week? Who's going to test positive this week? 
it's going to be this big topic, you know, hanging over the sport the whole fall. It's going to be very different. Now, I like the conference schedule. Why? Because I don't want to see, you know, LSU play Nichols. I do not give a shit about that. I don't care about them beating them by 60. Why am I watching that? I don't care. I'll put it on Netflix. I don't want to watch that crap. So I like the schedule. But would it be the same? I don't know. Will it just be something different that you enjoy? I don't know. Do we just wait till 2021 till we have this, you know, vaccine that's been talked about for a long time to where we can just move on with our lives and just have our regular sports life back, so to speak? That's something I'm going to see going forward because I'm really going to be, you're going to get tired of hearing about the whole virus affecting sports with no fans and things. It's going to be very weird. It's going to be very weird for football, um, unlike other sports. So that's going to be interesting to see moving forward for me, at least. Is it worth playing in the fall, at least from a fan perspective? Will it even be the same? I'm going to watch. I'm just, that's, just, that's me. But once again, this is a very fluid situation. And I'm, I'm telling you, week by week, day by day, you're going to get interesting, interesting tidbits here and there. Interesting nuggets about the sport, what, what's going to happen, what's not going to happen. So really just keep your eyes peeled on a daily basis from the news coming out of college football. So after watching the past couple days of baseball, it's exciting. Sports are back. Obviously, the jarring thing is there's no fans in the stands. It's definitely different. And it got me thinking, with football coming up in the fall, with no fans in the stands, it is going to make the biggest impact of all the sports, and I'm going to explain to you why. I'll bring you back to your childhood, or even your high school days, right? You played sports growing up. You play basketball. People like to shoot the basketball, like to shoot around. You can go play three-on-three anywhere, no fans. It doesn't matter. You play, you have fun. People like to just go shoot around, like to play some hoops. Baseball. Baseball has always been played not in, you know, at the youth level, high school, and even college, and even minor league level. It's never really played in front of big crowds. You know, obviously, if you play at LSU, you know, if you're like an Alex Bregman, you play LSU and you play in front of, you know, 11, 12,000. Yes, it's a little different, but that's just not the reality as far as all college baseball. You know, summer baseball is played, you know, all over the country in front of what, like, 20, 20 fans, mostly parents. It's not a raucous environment. And also, you just have to hone in on that craft, right? There's a lot of just honing in on the craft, you know, mind on what's going on. And like I said, it's always something that I've thought was fun. I always thought baseball practice was fun. I thought basketball practice was fun. Football practice, different story. I don't know if anybody can honestly say they enjoyed football practice on any level. And that brings me to my point with no fans in the stands. Basketball is going to be able to thrive. They're fine. I thought it would be a little clunky, right? Because when you're thinking empty gym in Disney World, but they have done a phenomenal job of just making the court really attractive with all the video boards. It looks really good, actually. It's almost like a theater type setting. Really, really good job by the NBA. I like it a lot. Baseball, obviously jarring. And I think, personally, they could probably put some fans in the stands. And that gets to a different topic. Um, obviously, full capacity probably would be out of the question. We know that. But definitely jarring. Now, I'm not going to be one of these people that, you know, try to hammer uh, the, the broadcasting company 
for, you know, putting the virtual fans in the stands or the music or whatever, I can absolutely care less. And if you're going to be that person that tries to criticize somebody for that or criticize the sport for that, you're just, you're a nerd. You're a geek. Get the hell out of here. But football, you've heard this for a long time, and I'm going to give you an example in a little bit, but you bust your ass in high school four days a week, Monday through Thursday. Why? Because you want to get to Friday night, fans in the stands, roar the crowd, and you're going to get after it. And that's what you play for. You play for those Friday nights. It's the same thing goes in college. At LSU, you're going to run those 110s in the summer. You're going to damn near pass out you know, all summer long. Sometimes, I'm sure, in the fall, it's going to be rough as hell. Why? Because you want to run out Saturday night in Death Valley, 100,000. That is what you play for. Okay? Hitting dudes with shoulder pads as hard as you can and getting hit. Some people can say that's fun, but it's fun whenever the fans are involved, the crowd, the energy, things of that nature. That's not going to happen this fall. And that to me is going to be just so strange. What's the dynamic? How much do some of these guys love the game? Obviously, they're going to get paid in the NFL, but how much do they love it? And how much does the fans you know, make them love those game days. And I think that's a huge part. If you're a basketball player, you love to play basketball and you've played it with no fans your whole life. Same thing with baseball. You just love that sport. And I'm sure it's an added bonus, obviously, if there are fans in the stands, but football is different. My example is Drew Brees. Drew Brees in high school played at Austin Westlake in Austin, Texas, prominent high school, packed house Friday nights. Goes to Purdue. Purdue's, you know, probably alone four to five good years in their program was when Drew Brees was there. I'm sure the crowds were, you know, as big as they can be at Purdue. He takes them to a Rose Bowl, fanfare, huge crowds, all of that. He then goes to the NFL, obviously fans. He's never played, unless you want to count peewee football, which I'm not going to, he's never played, you know, in an empty arena. Or there's no fanfare. Obviously, there's going to be TV, but you you can't feel that. You can't. You can't quantify that when you're playing the game. So it's interesting. How is the game going to be played different? Who does it benefit? I think personally, it's going to benefit the offense. It's going it, to, offense is, is choreography, all right? All in one. I think defense is just blowing things up. You always see them pumping up the crowd, home field advantage, getting the crowd involved. You know, you get that adrenaline going for a big hit. It's not going to be in play this year, right? So that's another reason why, as a Saints fan, I think this is a big bonus for a team like the Saints, which such cohesiveness, like, you know, Mahomes and the Chiefs and whoever else you want to name that has that cohesion offensively. And so once again, that's going to be, uh, you know, something interesting to watch. And, and do I think there'll be fans maybe during the season, they'll, you know, incorporate some, um, but it's going to be interesting going forward. Like I said, I mean, football is a game that's played with fans in the stands. It's what makes it great. It's what makes it passion. It's why you love it. Baseball, foot, baseball and basketball, you necessarily don't have to have fans in the stands because you haven't had it your whole life. I mean, hell, you just throw out the best baseball player you can. Let's throw out Mike Trout. Mike Trout went from high school you know, to professional baseball. I mean, he played high school baseball in New Jersey. I'm sure there weren't you know, rampant fan bases at, I believe it was Millerville High School he played at, and I'm sure it was 50 fans. I'm sure it wasn't packed. He then goes to the minor leagues. I mean, I don't know who the hell did he even play for. You know, I'm sure there wasn't a packed house over there. He's used to not playing in front of fans. 
And obviously, like I said, it'll be jarring at first. But this football thing is going to be interesting, right? And especially to me at the college level, too, because NFL, you're professional, you're getting paid. That would be your added bonus. That would be your incentive. Um, but it's a little different. So we'll see what happens. Let's address Major League Baseball, the COVID situation. Obviously, the Marlins, several, several players tested positive. I think they're up to like 16 and they had, I think, two other employees that tested positive. So they were shut down for a week and the sports media freaked out, shut it down, canceled the season. And that is the absolute wrong way of going about it. I hate that perspective. I'm going to tell you why. You knew going into it that people are going to test positive, right? You've had so many people, basketball, football, you hear these stories of people testing positive. Most of them are asymptomatic, meaning they have no symptoms. So they're not dying out there. But this was going to happen. And you come to find out it's probably because most of these players went out a night on the town. And then that's how they ended up you know, catching the virus. So like I said, it's to be expected. And if you are going to test every day like they are in a non-bubble situation, then you expected that was going to happen. Now, baseball is not football and it's not basketball where one player makes a difference. We've gone over this before. If Mike Trout sits out tomorrow for the Angels, the Angels can still win the baseball game. They're not doomed you know, for a loss and have no shot. They still have a chance to win. It doesn't mean as much. So my point being is you have these taxi squads you put together. They put together, basically, you have six a group of 60 guys, right? So you have 30 guys on the team and 30 other guys that I don't know where the hell they're at. They're minor leaguers, and they're kind of just waiting their turn. If somebody gets COVID, they jump in. To me in baseball, a big thing that we talk about as far as in the baseball community is farm system. Right. What's your farm system look like? Do you have a good farm system? Do you have a bad farm system? It's an integral part of the game. It's something we talk about. It's development, scouting, all of that. It's not like football or basketball. You draft a guy, he's on the team, let's go. Baseball is development. It's finding a guy, and that makes an organization a good organization. So here we go, let's go. Are you a good organization, Miami Marlins? Put your minor leaguers to the test and see what happens. I don't care. I'm not, you know, going to be in this group where it's let's let's play fair, let's all this crap. No, it is a unorthodox season and they they let them sit out for a week. If they test positive, I don't give a shit. Get the minor leaguers up and go play. The Miami Marlins weren't going to win the World Series anyways. You know, we need to plow through. We need to we need to tough it out. And don't, you know, succumb to media pressure because you're going to hear it all the time. Cancel the season. Cancel the season. No, this was to be expected. You're going to get positive tests because you're testing nonstop. And so, like I said, farm system is a big deal in Major League Baseball. Let's see what they got. Let's go. Obviously, if the Yankees, you know, lose all their guys, it becomes a problem. But also, I don't feel sorry for some of these teams. You're dealing with millionaires. You're not dealing with college athletes. If LSU goes in the fall and you have kids test positive nonstop, LSU, Alabama, Ohio State, some of these big-time schools, you can say, well, they're kids. I mean, they're going to be kids. You can't put it on them. They're, you know, they're not getting paid. 
So if they go out and about, you know, I'm not going to sit here and blame them. They're kids. They're not on salary. These are professionals. They have the protocols. They were told the protocols, you know, what to avoid, who to avoid. And if you can't do that, sorry, right? Sorry, Marlins, if you couldn't get your players to, you know, abide by the rules, by the protocol. That's on you. It's not on everybody else. Shut the league down because a, a group of rogue players decided they were going to do what they wanted to do. Sorry, you lose. You won't win the World Series. That's, that's how I would look at it. Plow through. Okay? That's what this country is about. Stop succumbing to pressure of the media and the cancel culture. Don't do it. There, it's one team, the Miami Marlins. And, you know, yesterday it was the St. Louis Cardinals were two players. But this isn't an epidemic where the whole league is tested positive. I think it's an isolated situation. I think Major League Baseball will crack down on protocols. And I think they're going to make it work. And the one thing I don't want to hear, because like I said, these are professional athletes. They're major leaguers. Well, what about their living situation? What about if they go home and bring it to somebody? What if they have a, a grandparent? That's on them. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit if you go see grandma. Don't. Bye-bye by the protocols. You know, if you do, that's on you. And that's on your grandma. <laughs> so abide by the protocols and you'll be fine. With this whole mass testing thing, yeah, of course they're going to be positives. I don't, you know, I don't get the whole situation. I'm not a doctor. But, you know, Walmarts have been open the past five months. I don't know. I'm not hearing this, you know, situation where Walmarts are shutting down because everybody has the coronavirus. All over the country, Walmarts are open. Targets, you know, all these grocery stores that have been open this whole time. This isn't an absolute quarantine situation where nobody has left the house. People have left the house. The issue is the testing. So you're testing people. And bam, positive, we have to shut it down. I don't know. I think, at least me, I'm not a doctor, but I don't care because people are going to tell you, well, you can't talk about it. You're not a doctor. Yeah, well, you didn't play Major League Baseball or NFL football, so you can't talk about that either. I don't believe in that. But I do. what I do believe is that I don't think that if you have symptoms that you should you know, be tested because then you're just wasting tests nonstop. And if you just abide by the protocols and the social distancing, right, that they're probably outlining for you, then you'll probably be fine. You know, so that that would be my take on it. Yeah, right, wrong. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not a doctor. You always have to preface that. But that's my philosophy. Plow through. That's how the country was built. All right. Toughness. Plow through. And don't succumb to pressure. You know, people in this country need escape. You have unemployment. This is just a pandemic that's, it's, you know, it's dragged the country down for months now. Plow through the country needs its escape. Baseball, you know, basketball, sports in general are huge in this country. Huge for morale. It's a morale booster. Don't succumb to pressure. Plow through and let's get it done. A huge topic in the offseason in Major League Baseball was the Houston Astros and the cheating scandal in 2017, which led to their GM getting fired, their manager, A.J. Hinch, getting fired. Um, they've lost draft picks, but no players suspended. And just hear me out, all right, because I'm going to talk about that coming up. 
So that was a huge topic, right? So they played the Dodgers in the 2017 World Series and ultimately won the World Series. Now, the cheating scandal was based off of sign stealing. They were stealing signs, using monitors within the locker room and relaying them, I think, by hitting trash cans or something like that. I mean, it gave them a huge advantage, right? And a ton of backlash. And they actually caught a little break for not having fans in the stands because they would have had you know, boos and they would just jeers. It would have been very, very ugly, you know, <laughs> had there been a regular season, fans in the stands. It would have been nasty out there for the Astros. So the other night they played the Dodgers in Houston and Joe Kelly, who actually didn't play for the, Do- the Dodgers in 2017, played for the Red Sox, um, took, it to, took it into his own hands and, you know, fired a couple ones high and tight and, he had a couple words to say to Carlos Correa after he struck him out. Bench is cleared. Ultimately, he gets suspended for eight games, right? So now the big topic of conversation is how wrong it is for Joe Kelly to be suspended for eight games. Here is my take on it. The wrong thing that happened is that Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball gave immunity during the hearing process of the Houston Astros. So basically, they interviewed these players on immunity. You can tell me what happened, but you're going to be immune to the situation. Nothing's going to happen to you. That was the wrong play. What I would have done is just no immunity. We have to learn the truth, which I know is tough, and you might not get the truth if you don't have that immunity for the players. But what's fair is fair. I would have suspended the guys on that 2017 team, guys like Bregman, Correa, Springer, Altuve, uh, Guriel, and I would suspend them like this 60-game season right here. 10 games each, okay? Start the season, 10 games each, 15, 10, 15, something like that. Make it to where it's almost impossible for them to get to the playoffs because if you lose those 10 to 15 games, you're you're essentially playing with a AAA baseball team. They're going to struggle, and I think that's a good punishment. And, hell, even the next year in, in 2021, I would suspend them 20 or 30 games, right? They need to be suspended. They need to be punished. Absolutely, 100%. Do I agree with – Pitchers throwing, you know, 98 mile or fastballs at guys' heads. No, I don't like it. That's one aspect of the game I've never liked. But nothing happened to those guys. They had no punishment. And now Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball are being called hypocrites because nothing happened to these guys. Joe Kelly gets suspended for eight games. Are you kidding me? That's a ton. That's a lot of games in a 60 game season. I would have suspended Kelly for two games. But like I said, that's on the basis of these Houston Astro players being suspended. These guys didn't get suspended. Therefore, Rob Manfred, Major League Baseball, put themselves in a terrible situation. Because any type of punishment you give Joe Kelly, it's going to come back at you. You could have, you could have fined him $1,000 and people would have gave you crap because you didn't do anything to the Astros. You just didn't. And that set a terrible precedent. Like I said, I don't like guys throwing 98-mile fastballs in guys' chin over their head. It's not, it's not something I want to see. But at the end of the day, major, it's Major League Baseball's fault. You had to suspend some of these players. If you were to suspend these guys half a season, screw it, let's go. Half a season, you're done. That was egregious. That never should have happened. Six-game season, you're suspended. Like I said, I said 10-15, but let's say Major League Baseball says 30. Half season, bam. Does Joe Kelly throw at their head? Maybe. And if he does, and they're all, some of those guys suspended 30 games, I'm cool. I'm cool with you suspending them. Spend them four games, eight games. I'm fine, but you had to have punished these guys. So now I have a problem. 
Now, my problem is, you know, somebody had to take it into their hands. Somebody, you know, had to fire something at them, and they did. And so now they just got a, a big mess on their hands because Major League Baseball dropped the ball in this situation. What the Astros did was egregious. They cheated. I think, hey, everybody would agree with that, and they didn't get punished. Um, they will always be known as champions because you can't take that from your memory. And the Dodgers lost that title. You got to feel for them in that aspect. Would they have won it? Maybe. But the situation's ugly, and it's caused by Major League Baseball. The NBA starts up last night. We had two games. First time since mid-March. There's been a long, long layoff for the NBA. You had Jazz Pelicans, Clippers, Lakers, and there were two games that were, went down to the wire. Just really good games for the first opening night. And I have to give credit to the NBA. It was a really good product. And it was something I was worried about. Obviously, with no fans in the stands, it was going to be a little weird. They said they were going to play in Orlando. And I'm just thinking to myself, empty gym. It's going to look like a high school game. It's going to be just so weird. But they did a great job putting the video boards in there. And the lighting is really good. It almost looked like a Broadway show. I mean, it was amazing. And it doesn't look any different to me, to be honest with you. So when you look at baseball and, and football, when we're going to watch the NFL play in college football, it's going to be it's different, right? The baseball, you're, you're constantly seeing the crowd with the foul balls and the balls in play, and it looks different, right? Because you're seeing no fans in the stands. To me, it's definitely optically it's different. But when you look at the NBA and last night, I thought it was a really good product. I, I, mean, I enjoyed watching it. Like I said, the video boards, the lighting was really nice. There was a little space like from, you know, the sidelines because you have nobody sitting there like the courtside seats. But I thought it was great. And, you know, it just brings me to the topic of everything working for the NBA with the bubble and you have zero positive tests. You know, it's working and it's effective, you know, and they were able to pull this off unlike other sports. And then you hear like, why isn't, you know, these other sports doing this? Why isn't the NFL doing it? Why won't, you know, college football do it? different topics, right? Why won't Major League Baseball do it? Major League Baseball has 30 players, right? 30 players on their roster times, you know, 30 teams. That's a lot of players, right? The NBA only brought, I believe, 22, and then you got like 12 on a roster. So it's more doable than what other leagues can do. I mean, you can't, to think that you could do that for football would be very tough. I mean, you're talking about a 53-man roster plus a buttload of coaches. I mean, how are you going to do that? So it's doable for the NBA, and they made the right decision to do it, right? Even at the time when you were like, well, I don't know about that. It's kind of, it's kind of weird. Can they pull it off? They have. They've done a really good job, and it's a good product, and it's going to be an exciting product going forward. But like I said, there's a lot of things going on with the NBA, so we'll do some quick hitters. Obviously, the NBA is a very political league, right? They dive into that, but they dive into it because, like I've said before, they're very social media-driven. That's their thing. And I think these guys live on social media. And all the time I say this, social media is not reflective of reality, what's going on in the world. It's not. It's just this huge echo chamber, people just being pissed off at everything. And so, you know, last night they all knelt for the national anthem, um, making their statement, the Black Lives Matter on the court. And, you know, they truly believe they're making a difference. And that's fine, but 
I think a lot of times they're they're reacting on Twitter too much and social media and you know I, I think it's gotten to the point where it's become almost like remember the ice bucket challenge, right? It's the ice anthem challenge. Who can outdo somebody, right? Who can do something more than the other person? And like I said, no doubt in their minds, they're doing it for the right reasons. I have no doubt about that. But it's gotten to the point where actually the brave thing would be to stand up for the national anthem. That would be like a very brave thing if you're playing in the NBA. So it's not really, it's kind of like a, a worn out thing at this point. I mean, everybody's just trying to outdo each other. And I, me personally, I think they're just trying to outdo it for more clicks on social media and, you know, more retweets and sometimes more attention. So almost you have to just take a step back and think, are you doing it for the right reasons? And like I said, some of them, you know, whether you, you know, believe in what they're saying or you, you, you know, don't believe, I think, you know, LeBron James believes he's doing, you know, good in the world, right? Now, will it turn off fans? Absolutely. Because your casual fan kind of wants to break away from the uh, political aspect of it. And is the NBA hypocritical in some aspects? hundred percent. The whole deal with China and them basically just taking money from China, right, and not condemning anything China does, um, it's all about their, their, their pocketbook, right? They don't want to come out and say anything bad against them because when that happened earlier in the year, uh, in the preseason, when they went to play in China and Daryl Morey, the GM of the Rockets, criticized China basically for their, dictator, their dictatorship government, <laughs> you know, China basically kicked them out of their country. Right. And they make a ton of money in China. And you're probably saying, well, yeah, but that's a smart move. Not to, Yeah, no doubt. It's a smart move not to criticize them. Right. But the hypocrisy of it, if you're willing to crap on your own country. All right. And say some of the flaws of your own country. But then not, you know, notice some of the flaws and, you know, the country that you're taking money from and not say anything about it, about that country. And that becomes hypocritical. Right. If you have a league where, you know, like Major League Baseball, who really doesn't dive into politics too much and, you know, they don't say anything about China or any country they're dealing with, then, you know, I'm cool with it because they're not crapping on their own country, right? Which is what's great about America is that you can voice your opinion and you won't, you know, become incarcerated for that opinion. It's a great thing about this country, but it's a double-edged sword because now you're not willing to you know, condemn the people you're taking money from in China who are basically putting people in concentration camps if you don't believe in what they believe in, all right? And believe in a dictatorship, you know, communist country. So that would be my issue with it. Look, I try to be apolitical and I try to back away from it. So I try not to look at the anthem and the protest. And like I said, it doesn't overly bother me because look, people aren't always going to think the same. I think that's what's great about this country. You know, moving forward, it's probably in their best interest not to get super political because that's going to break away from fans. <clears throat> I've said it before. The NFL lost ratings with the national anthem, right? And you could say right, wrong, or different, but that's the truth that happened. I think you just need to break away a little bit from that. And because the, the normal average fan wants to break away from politics. They, if they wanted to watch politics, they can go to MSNBC or Fox News. They don't want to tune into TNT or ESPN and watch basketball and have to have, you know, political opinions shoved in their face. So that would be my take on it. Right. I try to break away from it. Um, 
kind of hope they slow down the whole thing, but I'm still going to watch. I love sports, and I'm a basketball fan. Then let's do some quick hitters as far as teams. Almost like a, I would say, a a preseason take or a a pre-playoff take because we're really starting up again. I think there are three teams that people look at that are favorites, right? Lakers, Clippers, Bucks. Lakers, let's start off with them. I don't believe they can win. Now, they beat the Clippers last night. Clippers didn't have Lou Williams. And the Clippers are a team, in my opinion, that are led by Doc Rivers and Kawhi Leonard and obviously Paul George. But really, the mindset of those two guys in the aspect that when you look at Kawhi Leonard, he's a guy who will sit out games. He's all about load management. Doc Rivers is a load management guy. So that game last night, was that really a big deal to them? No, it wasn't. I think it was a big deal to the Lakers um, and LeBron James by winning that game. So they won the game, at, you know, really at the end of it by uh, two points. I think the Clippers are a bad team. I think the Lakers losing Avery Bradley, Rajon Rondo, they're old. I mean, yes, Anthony Davis and LeBron, best duo we've seen in a long time. Anthony Davis is legit, scored 34 last night. LeBron, not his best game, but he'll be there when the time comes. But after that, what do you have? Kuzma, okay, you know, you I guess you know what you're getting from him, but he's not a superstar, not a great three. Um, Danny Green, old, basically a three-point shooter. So and you just don't have much options in the bench. You're old. And so I don't think they can go the distance. They're just not better than the Clippers. I know they won last night, but they're not a better basketball team, in my opinion. The Clippers, let's let's move to them. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, not a better duo than Anthony Davis and LeBron. But when you just look at their team as a whole, I mean, you have a deep bench and you got guys like Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, you know, Montrez, Montrez Harrell, Landry Shamit, uh, Zubac. I mean, they have a lot of guys who can play and give you minutes. And I think that's going to be the key. And I think Kawhi Leonard is probably the what, second, third best player in the league. So, they're going to be there. I think, in my opinion, if I had money, I'd put my money on the Clippers winning it. I think, like I said, their load management is going to come into play. They know what to do when the postseason gets there. And then you have the Bucks. You got Giannis, superstar. Probably one or two in the league behind LeBron. But I don't think they have a good number two. And what I mean by that, when you look at a LeBron, well, he has an Anthony Davis to back him up. And you have a Kawhi Leonard and a Paul George. Chris Milton would be their number two. He's okay. Nothing great. And they have a solid bench, but it's Giannis and a bunch of good players. And I think that can get them through the East. Absolutely. And this is his time to shine right here. But I don't think they have the go-to number two player to go the distance. So that's why I don't see them winning it. Now, I think they can get to the finals. And I think my sleeper team, if you had to say who could be a sleeper team, it would be the Boston Celtics. In this environment with no crowd, um, maybe sometimes not a lot of energy and adrenaline going. I think coaching is really going to be key. I think Brad Stevens is the best coach in the NBA. But also you have a rising star in Jason Tatum. Before the season you know, came to a halt, I mean, Tatum was balling. He was killing it. But then you have Kimball Walker and you have a deep bench, Jalen Brown. So you have a young team and a really good coach, they would be my sleeper to come out of the East. Now, I don't think they can beat the Clippers or the Lakers in the championship, but they are definitely a team to watch out for. They're really intriguing. And like I said, I'm a big Brad Stevens fan, and I love Jason Tatum. I think he's going to be one of the best in the league moving forward. So that would be my my take as far as, you know, who I think is going to win. And people, obviously, people love free agency, right? That's always been a huge topic is free agency. 
this summer or fall, however you want to talk about it, it won't be a big free agent market. But remember, the NBA is a player's league. So if a guy is not happy, a superstar, he's going to want out. Watch for the Milwaukee Bucks not getting it done, fading out you know, badly, right? Let's say they, they don't make it to the championship, or if they do, they get bounced early. Don't be surprised if Giannis starts talking, right? Asking for a trade. That is something to watch out for if they don't get it done. And the Golden State Warriors is going to be a team that could make a push for him. I think they've already, guys like Steph Curry have said, you know, come on, we want him, right? They have trade pieces in Andrew Wiggins, and they might have the number one pick. So that would be something to keep your eyes on. It might be another KD to, to Golden State situation with Giannis going there. So that would be a storyline I would watch for. But ultimately, it's going to be some good basketball. If you really like basketball, I mean, it's going to be like an AAU tournament. It'll be like basketball games all day long. So ultimately, my prediction will be Clippers come out of the West. I do believe the Bucks. you know, they probably, they'll beat the Celtics in seven, I'd say, in the Eastern Conference Finals. And then I got the Clippers probably winning in five or six in the championship.